What up, everybody? It's your boy, Shabi. And we're on another episode of Growing Weed is for Dummies. And on this episode, what I want to talk about is the last decade of medical marijuana, a.k.a. cannabis, right here in Arizona. What's been happening? And basically a recap of the last 10 years. So... It hasn't been a full 10 years. The program's been going for that long, but dispensaries have not been open for that long. They're about to reach that mark. Um, but the program started, and they didn't have dispensaries open at the time. So they allowed people to be caregivers. They allowed people to grow. So at the very beginning of the industry, you could grow your own cannabis. As soon as dispensaries started popping up, they were take they take away your rights of growing, which basically means uh, when you go to renew your card, your medical card, in order to uh, have cannabis, you could not uh, be a grower if you're within 25 miles of a dispensary. 25 miles as the crow flies is what what they call it. And what that means is basically not 25 miles of driving, but 25 miles as if you were a bird and you could fly there. So this was a really disgusting law that they started. Um, The medical marijuana program, great program. It's literally, from what I've been able to see, one of the best in the country. The Arizona medical marijuana program is great besides this one little rule and the rule is the 25 mile rule because as soon as the 100 to 150 dispensaries could pop up as soon as that happened it took out over 97 percent of anybody who was able to grow less than three percent of the people in arizona less than three percent have the availability to grow have the legal right to grow and even less than that are people who have cards so it's it's a very 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 small amount they basically monopolized the dispensaries with this 25 mile law so what that means for somebody like me who had a, a mother and an uncle who was sick with hepatitis c a very serious blood illness um, I could grow for him and I bought all the equipment you know takes you've heard my if you haven't heard my stuff go listen to all my previous stuff and catch up uh, it takes about three to five thousand dollars in order to get a good grow operation going and to have good pro you know produce is what I call it but to have good flour good weed coming from it three to five thousand dollars and then a year later they shut you down and no longer allow you to grow. So now you're sitting on three to five thousand dollars worth of equipment, um, and that's that's what happened to a lot of people here in Arizona. Um, people like me who have sick family members that I was growing for. So what I had to do myself is I just pivoted into the dispensaries. What the industry did was go back to being underground. It's exactly what the industry did, and it created. It created the what I call the 2019 vape crisis, 
when they had anybody and everybody, yahoos, dum-dums, and all these jack horses creating products for the industry, the underground industry, because dispensaries got monopolized and they got expensive. So people literally, for the first year, it was like Disneyland for every adult who got their card. They went to the dispensaries, they got the Disneyland effect where it's just, yay, this is fun. This is new and exciting. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Most of the uh, baby boomers, that, that, was their, that was their quote. I've been waiting my whole life for this. I thought I'd never see this happen. And then they get their grow rights taken away and then they get pushed into a monopolized industry that has set prices and most of them don't give a shit about patience. Just just honest fucking feedback. Most, most places that produce these products, it's all about the money. They don't give a fuck about patience. If they did, they would change the way things are. But for the most part, they don't. They like the way things are. It's profitable. So, that was the start of the industry. Just a bunch of people out there growing for themselves. You grow for other people. You have to go through the state. You have to pay for it. And, uh, yeah, we, we all paid. Everybody's paid. Right now, there's a quarter of a million Arizonians who have paid up to... $300 a year to have this card for a decade almost do that math I'll do the math for you because I've already heard the news this was several years ago I'd say about four three maybe three or four years ago when I heard them say the Arizona Department of Health Services who you have to go through in order to get your medical cannabis card they are just holding on and stockpiling onto this money. It has not been used, in our state at least, not in every state, but in Arizona. It has not been used in any appropriate manner because they never wrote into the, the law, into the, the program, they never wrote what the money would be used for. Um, this is just based on information I'm hearing from a group called MEDA. And they were seriously... This was three or three years ago at least. Seriously sitting on $10 million of my money. I call it my money because I put in a lot of my money into this. Your money and anybody else who has a, a cannabis medical card here in Arizona. They're just holding on to our money and not doing anything with it. We definitely need to keep an eye on that money and see where it goes and know where it goes. It's our duty to do such. So... Uh, bring this up at your MEDA, your Marijuana Industry Trade Association. Bring it up to them. Let them know that you paid for a card and you want to know where your money's going. Because all that money, it, who knows where the fuck it is. Who knows where it went. They might just still be stockpiling it. Check out azmarijuana.com. They've had so many news articles about this. Not only the stockpiling of money that they have of ours not being used or being putting, put into other areas, like somebody's pocket. But on top of that, they're charging too much. They weren't, uh, they weren't supposed to be making this much money. So they have to decrease the payment for the card. Instead of decreasing the card, you know what they did? 
they allowed you to have it for two years instead of one. So it's like a decrease in the card, but instead it's not. They, they still collect the same amount of money. And I think they did the two-year thing because they knew... They just enacted this this year. Uh, actually, last year. Sorry, 2019. So this year, 2020, I foresee, because the bill is up, we're going to vote for it again. I foresee us becoming recreational, which is going to make all those two-year medical marijuana cards not so two years, right? So I think it's just a, I think it's just bullshit, and this is this is just my personal opinion as a, a consumer, my personal opinion as a user, my personal opinion as a people of this great world. That I don't I don't stand for fuckery, and I know when bullshit's being being spilled because I spill bullshit every day. So I exactly know what it looks like, and this is just a big bullshit. Ten year streak of bullshit let's see how much money we can collect off these fuckers and put into our pocket that's just my idea i don't know i might be wrong this is just me venting i could be wrong but this is this is what i believe has been going on for the last decade here in arizona so when 2020 comes let me tell you the new three things that happened in 2019 that i could remember new three things that just happened one cards your medical cannabis card is going to be good for two years uh two is that they're going to exchange all these physical cards for digital cards uh which i'm also a huge fan of not having this is the biggest again uh, uh just my personal opinion this is the biggest bullshit I've ever heard I totally upset with this like my driver's license is not even digital why are we gonna start making something that's brand new into something that's even newer to confuse the people mostly cops um, federales the the border patrols we got here in Arizona the the industry itself is confused you go into a dispensary with somebody you going to do it you go into a dispensary nobody in that dispensary has a brand new digital card somebody just gets their digital card they need to renew guess what happens i'll tell you what happens nobody knows what the fuck is going on or what the fuck they're doing it is sad it is like I, I wish we had great leaders, a, a group of great leaders pushing forward this thing, but we kind of are just, it's like the wild, wild west. I mean, we just making up the rules as we go. Making up the rules as we go. That's, that's how it started. I mean, when, when shatter and concentrates came to our state, because when cannabis was first allowed into Arizona, I'll go through the years with you as a little timeline. So year one, um, very few dispensaries opened. They played lotto. They played a Powerball lotto for for the license, right? So basically, you got you paid five thousand dollars and you were given a number. If your number gets chosen, you now have the rights, or you now could buy the license to that Shaw. To that area, I believe they called them. I believe they called them 
Shaws or Chaws. I don't know. There's certain areas. They only allowed 150 some dispensaries in the entire state based on the number of pharmacies that are in the state. So pharmacies like Walgreens, CVS. So based on the number of pharmacies, they allowed a certain number of dispensaries. That's kind of how the, that number came about. So we got our number. Woohoo! 150 of them. We'll just say that to be easy. 150 dispensaries in Arizona. Great. Who doesn't want in? Everybody wants in. I mean, there's such a limited amount. Of course it's going to be monopolized and your company's going to make money. How can't you make money? You're going to be the only dispensary in the area. It's fucking stupid proof. Okay, so you pay your $5,000. Bam! You get a Powerball number. And you have to prove to them that you have like $150,000 in the bank. Um, also. Bam! All that's done. Yay! You get your number. Your number gets chosen. You get this area. Now it's yours. If your number doesn't get chosen, you lost out on the $5,000. Boo-hoo. So, that's what happened. Year one, places start opening. Saints, Southern Arizona's Integrated Therapies Solutions or some shit, I don't know. Um, they were the first ones to open. Guess who was there? Me! Your boy was there because I was under the thumbnail of everything going on within the industry and without the industry. I was there, so I knew that they were going to open and who do you think was there with their weed? me they gave me now i don't want to talk bad about anybody but luckily most of these jack hoes and and guys are, are not no longer in the industry you, you'll find that in the industry people pivot really really quickly uh, they're an investor one day and next month they're cashing out i mean it's just that type of place so most of these people have either cashed out or i don't give a shit about them um, so these guys tried to offer me a deal because I was the guy with weed. They were not even legally able to have weed, right? Because they're just a dispensary they haven't even opened. So I'm a caregiver and I'm allowed weed and I'm allowed to grow it. So they want me. They want people like me and they got a lot of people like me into the industry because we were the first growers of the state, all right? dispensaries were not the first growers of this state the people were so they just picked up on the people who had things already going when dispensaries came in so i knew that that was the case so i go to sell myself to this dispensary basically let them know of the cannabis i have see what type of deal they want to deal with me this is before it's even opened so i go into there and uh they wanted to make me a deal. They weren't, obviously, they, they weren't willing to pay for the cannabis. Uh, they wanted to make me a deal. Here was their deal. I promise you that when we have our own grow going and we have our own cannabis, I'll, we'll give you a discount on all the cannabis that you buy here. <laughs> That was their deal. They're going to promise a well 
seasoned cannabis grower who's got his shit together, all of his equipment, all of his strains, everything I need to grow, all on my own, without you assholes, they're going to promise me to discount the weed I buy from them in the future. Like I would ever fucking buy from people like that. Are you kidding me? I, I walked out that office, they smelled my blueberry haze and they knew it was so good and that director of bullshit tried telling me he's gonna give me a deal. I said, listen, you could either pay for it, make me a consultant or a grower for you, or I'm out of here. I'm not dealing with your bullshit. I'm not gonna be buying from you. So I left. All right. Next one. I had to. I, I mean, I knew that there was a lot more dispensaries than one coming up in Tucson. So I just cut them loose, burnt that bridge, went to number two. The second one, and I thank God for this. All right, this is a, literally a blessing to me. It's a blessing to my life. It's a blessing to my family. It's a. It's a. It was just. I thank God for this amazing opportunity. I think I thank God for this amazing thing that happened because it really wasn't supposed to happen. Let me explain. Second people I go to, I hear about this group. They were the the Green co- Collection or T T G C C. I don't even remember what they were, but they were a collective a group of people. I I almost I almost forgot. I almost forgot. I left out something. Let me go back. I'm back. Rewind. I forgot. There was collectives at the beginning. So what this was was a group of uh, caregivers who had a license like mine. They were able to grow. They would uh, rent out the building, right? And then in this building they rented out, they would sell their weed right out the building, just like a dispensary, but way more drug dealer ish all right way more drug dealer ish so um they would call it donating though donate me 50 or 60 bucks and i'll give you an eighth that was the the way things happen before dispensaries there was a lot of these guys available um my favorite one at the beginning was shop 420 and, and the only reason they were my favorite is because they they bought weed. They actually fuck. Okay, they didn't. I'm just playing. They didn't buy anything from me. One ta- one day I I actually went and bought from them, uh, or I would exchange my flower for their flower. Um, we do exchanges. We did patient to patient transfers, stuff like that. That's actually where I met Nurse Heather the first time, ten years ago. Back in the day, she gave me a Cinnabon, a medicated Cinnabon, I remember her. Oh, shit. Uh, but back to the story. Look up Nurse Heather. She's a great, great person in the industry. Anyways, uh, actually, her story's going to come up later on in this, probably. So just stay tuned. Um, so I would go to these people, and everything that was named Blue, I would buy. They had this Blue Dragon. I remember I rolled a joint on the way home and smoked it on the way home I turned my ass back around and went right back and bought more it was so good so very good the blue dream and the blue dragon were the best I've ever smoked fuck all your dispensary shit these cats had this shit going they had it on lock the the it was so sticky 
so resonated, so flavorful. Man, what these people got going is dried out shit with seeds these days. These people back in the day, boy, they had this shit going, like me. Uh, I had train wreck. I had purple, uh, purple cheese. Purple cheese. Oh my gosh, the purple cheese. If you've ever tasted my purple cheese, you know it's the best thing you've ever smoked in your life. Purple cheese, my white widow, my white castle. You probably ain't ever heard of no white castle. That shit was some new, new genetics. Ain't nobody got that shit. Looks like a Christmas tree in Pennsylvania covered in snow, man. Whew. I was growing for this dude who had, he had this bone disease where like bones would grow in places that they didn't belong and he had a lot of pain because of it. So I was his caregiver and I was growing some white castle for him. Man, that shit was the best. My train wreck though is my favorite. And blueberry haze was really good too. But train wreck and purple cheese, whew, shit was the, there's nothing, nothing on the market that I've smoked today that could compare. Except maybe, maybe Larry. I mean, Chronic Thunder's good, but Larry OG might be on the same level just because it's so sticky, resonated, stinky. The the taste stays in your mouth. I mean, you could eat a jalapeno afterwards and, and all you still taste is Larry OG. I mean, this shit was fire. So at the beginning it was collectives where people would go in, you show your card, you know, you fill out a little piece of paper, basically becoming their uh, their customer. And then you go in the back and you buy weed basically off the street, just like any other normal illegal drug deal in America. But at this time, places got shut down for it. One of them was the, the Green Halo Collective or something. Um, they were a collective back in the day. It's actually on YouTube. I swear. You could YouTube this shit and watch one of these collectives um, getting getting uh, raided by SWAT team. And one of them was my second opportunity, which was the Green Halo. At that time, they were called a collective, but they were becoming a dispensary, and their new name was going to be the Green Halo. So, what do I do? I show the fuck up like you're supposed to do when in an opportunity present. I go to their door and there's no windows and there's just one big metal door and a button on the side. So I hit the security button, the buzzer, for them to let me in. And they weren't even open at the time, but they let me in. By mistake, somebody, I don't know who you were, but God blessed you when you hit that button I'll tell you what you made a blessing in my life and God blessed you for hitting that button baby and you let me in the door I don't know who you were I don't know if it was Dominique I don't know if it was some of the old old cats that no longer are are there um, but God bless you I don't know it could have been JD who knows but it was a blessing whoever fucked up thank you for your fuck up because you allowed me to come through that door so I walked through the door with my mama, uh, literally, I, I literally, I took my mom everywhere because she's the reason I'm in this industry, my, my mom and my dad. Um, they, they were growers their whole life, illegally, yeah, fuck you FBI, and fuck you too, DEA, shit, 
They were growers illegally because they knew that there was something beneficial in this plant. My parents grew up, or I grew up with my parents teaching me, if you're going to smoke something, better not be no damn cigarette. Don't you ever smoke a cigarette. If you're going to smoke anything, you smoke weed. And teaching me about George Washington and Abraham Lincoln and all these founders of our country and Kentucky in certain areas you couldn't even go in their community unless you grew your own weed because they weren't going to supply for you because weed was such a, a needed plant it's the only reason we're here in America because of hemp y'all don't even know but that's okay because history is taught but it's not learned not by everybody so you got to be a self teacher these days if you want to learn go back do some reading, do some podcast or audio, do something to get your knowledge up. But if we ain't here if it weren't for cannabis and hemp. But since there was cannabis and hemp, that's why we're here in this great country of America. And that's why America is the way it is. In World War, in the World War One, World War Two, what do you think they do? They were making people grow this shit because we needed the oils, we needed the fibers, we needed the medicine, we needed all that stuff man this country's twisted but i'm on the bigger and brighter things so let's continue on the positive note my parents grew up teaching me these things so my parents were the reason i'm here so i said to myself i need to take my mama with me because i want her to be a part of this and she has been a part of this journey for the last decade with me and I wouldn't have it any other way. I'm blessed to still have my mama in my life. Not many people do. If you have your mama, you better call her up and send her a text telling you you love her. Because it's a damn blessing we still got our mamas. So I walk up into this green halo building unannounced, not even allowed, with a briefcase. Well, actually, it, was, it wasn't a briefcase. It was an igloo. Like I-G-L-O-O. Like one of those... Like what you put your food in. I had one of these big ones that was insulated. And I would put my uh, mason jars filled with cannabis, RSO, tinctures. I made all types of things before um, before any dispensary ever fucking made a damn thing. I was right here in Arizona making tinctures. I was making uh, salves, the, the oils, the uh, lotions. I was making RSO. I was making, I wasn't making shatter or wax because I would never fucking blast butane or any of that crap onto my weed like a fucking crazy man. But what I was making was the, the edibles, the, the legit shit that I knew how to make. And I had a, just a, a, an igloo, a little, well it wasn't little, it was the, the large size. 12 minutes, slow down on I-10 East in 5 miles. A large. You are still on the fastest route my fucking phone um, sorry that was my second phone telling me how to drive so I was making all these things in this medium sized lunchbox right so I walk up in there with my lunchbox everybody knew me by my lunchbox because I took it everywhere and, and my mama and they had a couch their, their building wasn't even complete yet um, honestly I, uh, looking back they, they had it built wrong they had to rebuild it um, based on what I when I walked into but I basically walked into eight I believe it was about eight people running out of their security door saying 
we're not open yet. You're not supposed to be in here. Sorry, we hit the buzzer on accident, blah, 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 blah. You know, just eight people basically in frantic mode that they just let somebody into a building they weren't supposed to, right? And I just remembered, I remember Dominique being there and several other people I, I'm not going to name, um, old, old G's from the Halo group. I remember Dominique being there and I just looked her in the face and I just said, I'm not here to uh, buy from you guys. I'm here to work for you guys. And I'd like to show you what I got. And everybody else basically went into the back room and just me, Dominique, and my mom sat down. And I would call that my first interview. So I had my first interview. And uh, I opened up my jars, showed her what I had, told, told her what I did. At that time, I was doing free classes, F-R-double-E classes at shit where the hell was I doing classes at it's like Broadway and Craycroft a couple girls were running a facility where they would sell their weed if you went in and paid for a class so oh, oh yeah you paid for the class and you got the eighth of weed for free I remember this is when it, there was a bunch of gimmicks going on at the very beginning and this was one of them you know some people just flat out sold their weed uh kim this this girl named kimberly she was trying to do it in a more official way by oh tumbleweeds that's what their name is tumbleweeds i remember tumbleweeds holy shit that brings back memories i want to go say hi to them um yeah so they were you basically pay for a class and i would be your teacher we do a half an hour class maybe an hour long class you sit there and learn something, and then at the end, you pick an eighth of weed that you wanted, and you take that home for free. So you're paying for the class, getting the weed for free, um, but basically you're paying for the weed and getting my class for free, because I didn't get paid shit. <laughs> Fucking true story here, people. This is what volunteering is about. Two years of volunteering. I remember I was married, I told my wife, I, at the time I said listen because uh, I was I was normally the, the provider of the family working I said listen I'm not going to work I have this dream you know this cannabis dream and, and I'm working on this I'm going to be you know doing a lot of shit in this I'm not going to have time for a job but I'm also not going to get money but there's a dream that I have so I promised her I said I promise you if you work for the next couple years and you take care of the family I'll do everything I can to help provide but once I get a job in the industry you'll never have to work again that was my promise and I stuck fucking to it so that's what happened so she was so my wife took on the enormous responsibility of taking care of the family and she did well uh, God bless her working soul and gave me the opportunity to do this so I was doing free classes, like Wednesdays. I believe it was like every Wednesday. We would do a free class. I'd teach people how to make hash, um, how to grow weed, how to, how to start your seeds, how to cure, just whatever, anything, you know? And I, I told the Green Halo what I was doing, Dominique. I said, yo, Dominique, I'm doing these free classes over here. I, I, you know, I, 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 I just want a job. Basically, that's all it was. I was literally... Um, 
I was open for anything. I knew that I was going to be starting into something that was super, super new. And it was going to require a lot of time before I became something really important. I knew that I was going to, it was going to be a decade. It was going to be, there was going to be time involved. I already spent two years volunteering. I'm not done yet. So I told her, hey, I want to work here. Uh, you guys are going to take me out of business. I'm, I'm not really worried about being out of business. I worry about not having a job in this industry. So that's my thing. I got... There's a lane. Closure ahead. I have an ability and I have a, a, I, I've taught classes and I have knowledge that people don't have. And I would like to give it to you guys. She probably fell on deaf ears to all this. And... Uh, that's cool because most people do but what she did do is she noticed the fact that I had mentioned tumbleweeds and she had been there she says oh tumbleweeds I love them they're having this one year anniversary or something or two year anniversary I don't remember what it was but they're having this anniversary thing in a week or whatever I said I know I'm going to be there you know I'm a volunteer for the, the company and I plan on showing up she says, great, why don't we meet up there and we'll talk more about getting me the job at the Green Halo. Um, which felt like a pass off. It was just like, we're, we don't have a job for you. Just meet me here and we'll hang out, see how, see how it goes. And I was okay with that because I knew where I was going to be. I knew where I was going to be and I know where I'm going. And there's nothing that's going to change that. Nothing's going to get me out of this industry ever. This is my life. This is where I'm going to be period so i was i was always cool with it i was like cool whatever let's meet there so literally they they did this uh event in their parking lot for four hours they had a bunch of vendors people selling stuff people telling you know uh telling stories all this crap and i show up there i'm i'm there from beginning to end and i'll just tell you what i remember because it was a decade ago and people's perceptions of things may change based on um, what was going on with them at the time. But this was my perception of it. So I walked around the place for a little bit. And then met up with Dominique. A group of people were around me. One was talking about how he'd like to write a book about me because of my life story. Another guy was trying to get my services to be a caregiver. He said, oh, I've been to Tumbleweeds, and Tumbleweeds says they're going to hook me up with a caregiver, but they never have, so I'm looking for a caregiver because I don't want to buy one-eighth a week. Like, I smoke more than that. Like, the Tumbleweeds business plan was, 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 it was a great idea, but it was a dumb thing to grow on because it just never would work out. It doesn't. It doesn't match up with the user's intentions. So um, he was just upset with that. So I was like, you know what? Here, I gave him like a quarter ounce of all my all the strains I had available that night. He paid for his card and he became a, a patient of patient mine as well. And during this time, Dominique's hanging out with me. We're walking around. But she, we can never get a, a moment of talking in, right? Because I got my mom there. She's hanging out. People are trying to get services from me. Guys trying to write a book about me. Every, you know, everybody knows me. It was just too much. 
So at the end of it, I was like, Dominique, I'm sorry that we never had a chance to talk. Like, you seen what was going on. She's like, I'm, she's like, you know what? I want you to come teach a class on how to grow for everybody who works in the dispensary. And I was so happy. I was like, yes. But at the same time, I was a little terrified. I will be honest. Um, I was a little terrified. I'd never done a class from beginning to end teaching how to grow. So I got home. I did my, well, I didn't do my research. I did my work and I wrote it all down on paper. Basically one single paper I brought in there to teach them how to grow. Just one single paper, quick, easy, simple. I took some of my, I took a plant. I had a plant that was uh, four inches tall. It had about an eighth of a uh, herb growing on it. It was train wreck. And I'd, I'd grown it specifically for uh, teaching purposes, obviously. Uh, and uh, so I brought that in with me. And it was the first time anybody in that dispensary had ever seen a real cannabis plant in their face and it stunk up the dispensary this little tiny shit Ugh. and of course i had all the all the right you know I, I had rights to grow and had rights to carry everything i did and then i did the hour-long class everybody who was anybody in that dispensary was there um except for like the like the uh ceos and investors right so fucking Kiyoki's there, Rachel Ray's there, fucking Thomas is there, old school OGs are there, man, if you know the Green Halo old school OGs, man, um, I think Jenny was there, I was there, um, I, I, oh yeah, Sean was there, the other Sean, uh, he was there, I don't remember, anybody else really off the top of my head that might have been there ah fuck i do know his face but i can't remember his name god bless that guy you're bald and i love you you're mandy's husband anyways we all went for a smoke afterwards this is something i'll never forget because i remember smoking these guys out with some of my weed actually i did it several times i'm gonna tell you that about in the future uh i smoked them out with some of my train wreck I remember Kiyoki being in the front seat and he just got done cleaning my weed about to pack a bowl or something and it stuck to his fingers, right? He says, what the fuck do I do now? It's stuck to my fucking fingers. I couldn't help but be the most proudest grower. I couldn't help but be so fucking proud of myself. Like, somebody, not only in the industry, but somebody else who had never had the most stickiest weed in their life. And here I am producing it for them. The level of pride just was so high. I just, ah, I just love that memory. I just love that memory. And um, I ended up, they hired too many people. Day one starts up, it's two months later. I'm waiting around two months for this job. Two months later comes up, they're open. They hired, they hired Kyle Hardy, you asshole. I remember you. No, I'm just playing. He, he was doing security and whatever for them. We got hired the same day, um, but he got paid first. I called them up and said, hey, what's going on? They say, JD says to me, oh, we hired too many people. We can't pay you. And I said to him, and I didn't even miss a fucking beat on the phone. I said to him, 
Y'all didn't know I work for free? JD Stray says, what? He says, uh, no, I didn't know you, you do that. He says, well, we do have a, since we have your, your card, your, your card, so you can work in here, and, and we do have, we are allowed to have one volunteer, uh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, you, are you sure? You work for free? I said, yeah, motherfucker, I've been working for free for two years. The fuck is gonna do anything different to my bank account? Of course I'm gonna work for free. Let me in that motherfucking building, people. Your boy's hungry! I'm so fucking hungry, get me on the streets, I'll eat your fucking, I'll eat your lions, bitch. I am so fucking hungry. I said, hell yeah, I work for free. What you think this is? He said, okay. Come on in. So that's what the fuck I did. I came on in in that bitch, and within two weeks, I got paid. Started getting my paycheck. It was so good. Thank God for that opportunity. That's what that's that's what the beginning of the industry was like. And then from there, it was just like entrepreneur, entrepreneurship in the like the gold era of of entrepreneurship. It just felt so good so nitty-gritty like everything was just like how do we do this i don't know nobody's ever done it before fuck it do whatever you want just fucking go with it man we're creating this industry we're creating the policies and procedures that everybody else will be measured by i'm creating the shit that everybody else is going to be doing oh the the grand year of oh it just feels so good I, I just feel so fucking good right now because I know somebody's weighing out weed at the Green Halo right now and I know they're doing it exactly how I taught the industry to do it. It wasn't how I taught that person to do it because I don't even know fucking Steven or, or Joe or whoever the fuck that asshole is right now. All I know is I created that procedure because I had somebody on my back watching exactly how it should be done. How it should be done is exactly how I did it. Ooh, that feels fucking good to say. You want to know why? Because when you do it the best, you will always be the the mark that everybody else gets measured by. So that's always been my, like, I, I, I determined myself that I will always be the mark that everybody else gets measured by. Never will somebody say, Keep left at the fork to stay on I-10 East. Never will somebody say to me, and it's never happened, never fucking happened, and if it ever happens, I'll Continue fucking puke in my mouth. For 104 miles. Never has anybody ever said, Sean, if only you could do this like as fast or as good as this other person. Never has that been said. It's always the opposite way around. If only you could do it the way... Let Sean show you how he does it. He does it fast. Let, let, let Sean show you how he does it. He's doing it the right way. That's exactly been the nature of my, my entire existence. Is that I will... I will I will skip breaks, I won't eat lunch, I won't eat breakfast, I won't eat dinner, and I'm going to produce something at such a high level, at such a high quality, that everybody's going to wonder in fucking amazement on how it got done. People are going to wonder, is this really how, is this possible? That's what I want to, that's my fucking story, that's my shit. I don't care what it is. It just so happens right now, it's weed, but I've been like that my whole life. You, if you ever seen me in school, people are look at my body because I'm slender and meek. They think I'm not athletic. Motherfucker, I used to lift the weights everybody else got measured by. I was a beast. I, I, was, I was this size when I was 10 years old. Shit, I was a giant. I just haven't grown. I just went through puberty so fucking early. 
I'll blame it on the weed, but whatever. Probably because I started smoking weed really early too, and I was born on it. But whatever, that's 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 another story. Um, so that's exactly what I did when I got into this place. Is I made sure everybody got measured by the amount of work or the amount of skill I I did, and it was good. I mean, it was super entrepreneurial, and by entrepreneurial, I mean we were printing the stickers from our household computer inside the dispensary printing the stickers whatever color we wanted ashley made whatever color she wanted shit it's mixed berry motherfucker it's gonna be mixed colors she didn't give a fuck she printed it out she did whatever she wanted she was a des- the the a, an entrepreneur designer of of our of our packaging group on the edibles and and we basically didn't i'll just be honest the industry did not know what the fuck they were doing at the very beginning of this. That's just a fact. The industry didn't know what we were doing. The Green Halo sent more people to the hospital the first year we were open than probably any other dispensary in Arizona has ever done. Why? Because we were the first company with edibles. And edibles, is a, it's a different beast, baby. You can't overdose off of smoking, uh, not normally. But you could definitely have an overdose experience off of cannabis when you eat it. And that's a, that's a more likely thing to happen. Because they don't understand the potency. They don't understand to wait. They just keep eating because it's a cookie and it's good. We used to make these 100 milligram cookies. And we just sell them the whole cookie. We never told them just to eat a piece of it. Because as salesmen... We didn't even know what the damn thing would do. We never tested out the cookie. We didn't know. And when we did test it out, we'd get all fucked up. We were probably, we were like, yeah, it was a great cookie. But we were selling it to grandma and, and mom and pop people, you know, and just people who had never tried it before. And we sent so many people to the hospital, boy. Oh, my gosh. That's why cookies got broken down into 25 milligrams or 10 milligrams. Bitch, at the beginning of the industry, there was only 100 milligram doses. You soft-ass people, it's exactly what I grew up on, and that's exactly what I still use. 100 milligrams a dose, man. I'm not doing this 10 milligram shit. No microdosing in my life. And we had ghetto bags. We did, I mean, we... Testing? Testing? At the beginning of this, testing wasn't going on. We had overdosed and underdosed so many cookies and shit. It was a, it was a, it was crazy. It's fucking crazy. Uh, yeah, yeah. To say the least, it was fucking crazy. And and let me tell you why. It was even more crazy and more difficult for the pioneers. People today have a set standard. People today have set numbers. People today have help. When we were the pioneers, we were the ones helping other companies start up. We were the ones helping everybody else know what to do. So nobody was helping us. We were the pioneers of the of the this thing. We were we were uh, ground breaking, doing groundbreaking things. Plain and simple. So the first run of edibles, the first years were butter, can of butter. Um, so basically you put the, uh, we'd put the cannabis into crock pots with butter 
and let it sit all night you know 24 hours heating up then we skim out you know we would uh get rid of all the weed you know use a filter get rid of the weed and then let the stuff sit and at the top the butter would harden and then pull off the butter now you have medicated butter and that's what we were using for our edibles and that's caveman it's barbaric so we went to um we went to to keith uh it's kind of like hash but not pressed um it's, it's similar it, it's non it's not decarboxylized yet so it's not heated up um basically you just take a bunch of trim you put it in a micron bag which is a, basically a bag and at the bottom of the bag is a like a little thin filter a screen and i think they call them microns i'm not 100 percent sure it's been about a decade since i used one i used to use it for my uh ice water hash that shit's bomb too i'm gonna do another podcast in the future teaching you how to make that uh stay tuned on instagram growing weed is for dummies on instagram you'll get all the shit on there anyways so you get this bag and it's a circuit micron which means it's the 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 filter on the bottom is at a certain it only allows a certain size of thing go through it and at this size you could there's a lane closure ahead you could fill up your bag with trim some dry trim put a, a block of dry ice in there and just shake the shit out of it and while you're shaking the shit out of it at the bottom where the screen is it out falls this like pollen it's like a yellow yellow dust and that is the keef and we would um we ended up making our edibles from keef which was much more easier much less barbaric although it wasn't easy shaking pounds and pounds of weed every day to get your keef out of it it was it was very it was not it was not op- it was not the most best way um, and now it has tra- transitioned into concentrates so how they do it now is none of your business but this is how I believe things get done now um, it's all with distillate uh, distillate or shatter or some type of concentrate so basically the idea behind it is you would um, you get your shatter or wax or your what the fuck uh, your oil you get your oil you um, it could be decarboxylated in the um, in the cooking process if you if you're like baking it with edibles I believe you could decarboxylate like that or you could pre decarboxylate it which means like you take let's just say you're at your house right now and you want to make some brownies and you want to add weed to your brownies so what you do is you take shatter and you take coconut oil put it on your skillet and then put the two together a little bit of oil a little bit of shatter a gram of shatter throw it in there with uh, you know a couple tablespoons of of coconut oil melt the two together now you have medicated coconut oil use that as your the oil of your recipe and bam 
now you have medicated brownies or medicated whatever you want so that's the I believe the best way to do it and I, I believe that that's the way everybody's doing it right now um, not everybody I know that the Hannah group with their Love Clarissa brand I know they still use Keef but for the most part I don't know underneath everybody's hood nor would I tell you what everybody's doing because it's none of your business if you want to know you gotta you gotta get in the industry or just know the people who do it but I like to keep some people's uh, trade secrets I like to keep them a secret because I care about them business but I also care about you as patients more so I'm giving you the very best advice I have and I believe that that's what's going on you just put a little bit of shatter in a pan saucepan throw a little coconut oil melt the two together put that in your um, in your recipe and bam you've got it you got it girl you got it hey alright so so that's how edibles were done and that's how edibles have been and that's why it was so difficult until like regular regulatory testing came into play it was just wild wild west baby I've seen edibles go out with way too much weed in them way overdosed I've seen edibles be sold that were way underdosed now in days it's pretty pretty unified but at the beginning the very beginning everybody's just doing what they thought they knew what to do without testing the green halo I'll tell you one thing the green halo they spend more than you make a year in testing these people care the 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 director the CEO the people who run this company care about you and they are putting out quality product I can guarantee you that I I have as much backing on the company I work for now as I do on this company because I know the people who run it and I know what they care about and they care about quality they care about correct dosing and they care about um, putting their product out at the most aggressively competitive prices period so if you're thinking oh Sean's saying all this shit about the beginning yeah that's 10 years ago it's a whole new ball game today and that's what I want to talk about in our next episode check it out it's gonna be part two what's going on in the industry I gave you a little feedback of how I got in the industry a little bit of feedback about what it took to get here and about some of the weird quirky things that might have happened during the first couple years I'm about to tell you in part two I'm gonna tell you about what's going on right now I'm gonna give you a little bit of heads up what's going on right now the biggest era the biggest dispensary group in the country in all of USA is right here in Arizona can you guess who it is also we have so many there's just so much stuff I can't cover it all in one episode I can't wait to get to the next episode so I could tell you about the brands that have come and gone to tell you about who's the best sellers in the industry what brands you need to look out for what companies you need to stay away from what some of the in and outs of what how people make edibles some people just spray THC right on it and buy the shit from Costco some people make it by scratch some people box it make it by a box brand and then add their own in-house um, terps and stuff there's a lot of shit going on 
right now in the industry there's so much I could probably do part three it's possible but I'm gonna try to keep it this to a two-part series this is part one the early days of the industry part two will be what's going on now the brands that you need to look out for if you're looking into an investing I know some companies that you should invest in I know some companies you should stay away from I know some people who left out of of Arizona after dropping down millions and millions of dollars in our, our state they left in less than a year they didn't even last and they're one of the big boys one of the big boy investors in the world they got what they lost 40 million dollars and they're still not under that's the type of big boys I'm talking about the big players we're gonna be talking about all that shit as well as I'm gonna add in a bunch of the stories I used to um, I used to do a brand ambassador work, so I would go to events and talk to patients. And some of the stories that these patients have told me is ridiculous. I got two in mind about some medical things that people have done in order to help themselves. Actually, I'm going to tell you about five stories of medical benefits and how people have literally changed their life using this medicine and how, what they got off of. Um, what illnesses they were dealing with, what problems they had, all that stuff's going to be all covered in the next episode. I'm excited. I'm so excited about the next episode. I might just shut this off and continue recording. It, it, it's it's so much fun right now. It's like it's everything I dreamed of. Um, basically, yeah. I mean, the Arizona cannabis industry. God bless. I, it's everything I could dream of. I never thought I would be in this industry. I knew I would always be doing this. I just never thought I'd be doing this legally. And it's, it's such a blessing. I've met the most amazing people. I've, I've, I've fallen in love with the most amazing people in this industry. It's just... It's just... I, I just don't know. There's, there's the good and the bads of everything... Um, but this, this industry is just my home and I feel so good when I go to other dispensaries today, true story. Today I walked into sky dispensary in Mesa, sky dispensary in Mesa, Arizona. If you've ever been there, smack them on their hands, give them a high five and tell them thank you because this is what happened today. I walk in there. And I'm bringing them an order of our product. And people in there were cheering me on. I cannot make this up. It touches my fucking heart. It almost brings me to tears. It's hard to fucking say this with, with a, a clear voice. They were cheering me on. They were so happy. Not only to be receiving the product, but they were so happy about the product that we carry and we create because of how much their patients love it so their patients have so much love for this product that their patients tell their bud tenders and their bud tenders are such good people that they just the the love of the patients is gleaming and gleaming out of these bud tenders and then when i come in and they see me and they're just thinking of holy shit bob is going to be so happy that i could sell him these these products it's just the love transfer is ridiculous, and I'm just fucking, I'm just so happy. I just can't, I just don't know what else to say. I'm so fucking happy, man.
God bless you. If you listen to this, thank you. You're what makes this possible, and you're, you're bringing a tear to my eye, too. Thank you for listening. Please share this with your friends. Tell me, go on Instagram. Tell me what your favorite episode is. Just say hi. Go on Instagram, Growing Weed is for Dummies, and just say hi. It'll mean the world to me. I really appreciate it. Thank you, guys, and have a wonderful fucking life. I know you will. Peace.